You now tune in to No One Watches Regular News, hosted by me, Kerry Bogar, and this is episode 92. So the first story that I'm getting to is about the damn Dallas Cowboys. Um, before their playoff game against the San Francisco 49ers, the Cowboys put up 51 points against the Eagles. Now, this is what I don't understand, but the Cowboys for the entire season, they have been up and down, up and down. The Cowboys have not been consistent at all. So here it is, their first playoff game, and they lose. And to me, I'm I'm not a diehard Dallas Cowboy fan, but I love the Cowboys, and I just can't get excited until they get past the divisional round of the playoffs and get to a conference title game. I just can't bring myself to get that excited just because they make the playoffs. Okay, so here it is. The Cowboys lose the game. They only score 17 points after the previous game against the Eagles. They, they scored 51 points, okay? Now, people kept harping on the last what, 14 seconds in the, uh, the fourth quarter. <clears throat> where the Cowboys couldn't get off a play. So somehow, Cowboy fans tried to blame the referee and make it seem like he was the reason why they they didn't get a second chance. This is the truth. The Dallas Cowboys had 14 penalties, okay? They gave up, gave up five sacks. They gave up 169 yards rushing. They completed less than 6% of their passes. They rushed for less than 80 fucking yards. And that's the best the Dallas Cowboys can do. This is why I say I'm not a diehard Dallas Cowboys fan. I am not. I will never get excited just because they make the playoffs. I'll, I'll feel better once they get past the divisional round. And the last thing is this. For all the fans at the game that was crying, that was sad, you have to understand your energy rubs off. Whenever you see people sad, crying, they feel distraught. You know, at at, at times, the camera will zoom in on Dak Prescott on the sideline with his head down. This This shows bad on our part, that we don't have any faith. We have no confidence whatsoever. Also with Dak Prescott, it shows that he lacks leadership. He is not a leader. So if if the Cowboys want to win next year and, and, and go deeper in the, in the playoffs and maybe make a conference title game, Dak has to lead the team. He's a quarterback. He has to be the leader of the team. The coach has to do a better job in being able to motivate the players. I didn't see this shit. So once again, the Cowboys only make it to the first round and they're out. But the biggest, the biggest thing about the game is a 14 penalty they, they had. Really what it did was every single penalty that they got, it just stifled. It just, they had no momentum whatsoever. They never could get any momentum going because of penalties. That's why. 
And really, the Cowboys were not supposed to win the game. With those many penalties, there is no way that you can have 14 penalties give up five sacks and somehow still pull off a win. The Cowboys have to do a better job next year, so we'll just have to wait and see. What I did not expect was to be personally mocked and ridiculed, sued, or to have to incessantly fight to keep my law license. I did not expect to receive hate mail and death threats and to have the safety of my daughters compromised by the media. I did not expect to need 24-hour armed security. I did not expect to incur personally more than $500,000 in legal bills, defending myself from frivolous investigations and attacks on nearly every front. I did not expect for an investigation into my professional travel, which I asked for to somehow snowball into state ethics and state election board inquiries, federal investigations, and ultimately a federal indictment. I'm so disappointed, but unfortunately not shocked that my family and I find ourselves in this position. You see, ever since I walked down the steps of the War Memorial on May 1st, 2015, announced charges against six police officers in the killing of Freddie Gray, I have had a target on my back and I get it. As a state's attorney for Baltimore City, I've used my power and my discretion to do things that a lot of people in this country just don't like. I've sought to ensure one standard of justice, regardless of race, gender, zip code, or occupation. I've prosecuted several police officers for violating the rights of citizens. I've sought to end the war on drug users and people of color by decriminalizing drug possession and sex work. I fought for second chances for people serving life sentences. I've exonerated 12 innocent black men that the justice system wanted to rot in prison for more than 300 years for crimes they didn't commit. I get it. This is not what prosecutors usually do. And many people will forever hate me for it. Because of my commitment to racial justice, I've had to contend with powerful institutions that have come after me by any means necessary. Donald Trump called for me to be prosecuted several years ago, and I fought back against his administration. I fought back against the governor who plays politics and doesn't like my policies. I fought back against the consistent harassment of the fraternal order of police. I fought back against the right-wing media that trades on misinformation and scaremongering. I fought back against the same U.S. Attorney's Office that is charging me now when they warned me not to charge the police in the Freddie Gray case. I fought back against the exact same federal prosecutors prosecuting me now who maliciously and erroneously implicated my office in the gun trace task force scandal. What I've come to learn in fighting for what's right is that there are many in this country wholly committed to defending the status quo who also realize that those of us who are equally committed to dismantling the status quo represent a threat to business as usual in this city and in this country. I get it. But the people who sent me here did so because they know 
We need to fight against mass incarceration and dismantle the status quo of the criminal justice system that has devastated far too many families and communities in the city and in this country. Quite simply, I fight for those who don't have enough people fighting for them in place. I firmly believe that differences in ideology, policy positions and governing philosophies are fair game and should be passionately debated and heavily scrutinized. That's democracy at work. But our differences in policies and governing should not make any of us subject to unreasonable and unyielding, abusive attacks, investigation, and prosecution. Baltimore City State's Attorney Marilyn Mosby addressed a congregation at a Northwest Baltimore church today after being indicted by a federal grand jury last week. Sean Stryker has more and how some are showing their support. Sunday morning, Baltimore State's Attorney Marilyn Mosby attended church service where she was asked to speak to those in attendance. <laughs> After being indicted on federal charges, Baltimore State's attorney Marilyn Mosby attending service at the Empowerment Temple in Baltimore, taking time to address the congregation. Without equivocation, I am innocent of the charges levied against me. I have done nothing wrong, and I'm confident that I'll be exonerated and my name will be cleared. Mosby doubling down on the statement she made Friday, vowing to continue doing her job. I make that same commitment to you all today. Thursday, a grand jury indicted Mosby on four felony counts, including charges of perjury and making false statements. Federal prosecutors allege she lied about suffering COVID-19 hardships to withdraw money without penalty from her retirement account and falsified information on loan applications for vacation homes in Florida. Reverend Robert Turner showing his support for Mosby with a prayer circle. People may ask you, why is the church, you know, wrapping their arms around somebody that's just been indicted with these type of crimes? It's because that's what Jesus would do. Reverend Turner even offered financial support to Mosby, which she declined. That you protect her. Mosby says she plans to fight the charges against her. In Baltimore, Sean Stryker for WJZ. This uh, first story is a very serious story about uh, Baltimore State's attorney, um, Marilyn Mosby, right? So people, what they'll do is this. They'll save face, okay? Save face. What is save face and what what does this mean? Uh, to avoid having other people lose respect for oneself. This is what we'll do. We'll save face versus being able to tell the truth and say this. Look. Marilyn Mosby knew better. She had black people that supported her and trusted her. She had broken that trust. All right. She should have known that her reputation, her image is everything, especially for a black woman. And she must be able to protect that at all costs. So she cannot do something foolish and stupid that could jeopardize her career. Okay. We won't say that. Instead, what we'll do is we'll save face. Again, save face to avoid having other people lose respect for oneself. So in the case of Marilyn Mosby, this is what people who are saying in support of her. This is what they're saying. She's being targeted for her progressive policies. And black leaders are often unfairly targeted for investigations. I can't give her that. Yes, you are innocent until proven guilty. 
But what about being smart enough to protect your reputation and your image? Because if you are black in America, that means everything. You must protect that. Okay, so in the article, this is what it says. <clears throat> Baltimore State's attorney, Marilyn Mosby, indicted on federal charges. She lied on financial transactions to buy homes in Florida, it says. A federal grand jury has indicted Baltimore's top prosecutor, Marilyn Mosby, on charges of perjury and making false statements with a series of financial transactions that helped her buy a condo on Florida's Gulf Coast and another property near Orlando. Now, Mosby, who is 41 years old, right, is charged with falsely claiming to suffer financial hardships from COVID-19 to obtain an early withdrawal from her retirement savings to purchase the homes. In addition, the federal prosecutors alleged she lied on mortgage loan application by hiding an outstanding federal tax debt. And they accused her of, of entering into an agreement to rent out a home she bought near Disney World, while at the same time promising not to rent the property, all to obtain a lower interest rate. Now, also this, man, she is facing um, four felonies right now that could bring prison time for her. Even as her election for a third term looms in June. So you could not really support this woman and vote for her again if you live in Baltimore. You, you, you should not feel comfortable. So whenever black people are still supporting someone like Marilyn Mosby, this is what we're saying. We, we are okay with being able to turn a blind eye to a corrupt black politician, no different than white people agreeing and being okay with turning the blind eye to a white corrupt politician. We're no different. We're saving face again, y'all. We, we, we do it all the time. We save face. In the article also this, it says the indictment alleges Marilyn Mosby sought a $40,000 withdraw from her retirement account back in May of 2020, citing financial hardship she had experienced due to uh, the pandemic. In fact, her salary that year had an increase by $10,000 to $248,000. So she is not hurting for money. She makes six figures a year. So the question is, did she do what she had been accused of based on a federal grand jury. Now, again, she is innocent until proven guilty, but right now I'm talking about how we save face, how we turn a blind eye to corruption, how we'll look at what she's going through and what she has been accused of, and we'll turn a blind eye to it. And we act like we are any better than anybody else. So if she's convicted, man, if she's convicted, this is what she's facing. So in the article, this is what it says. If convicted, Mosby uh, faces a maximum of five years in prison for each of the two counts of perjury 
and a maximum of 30 years for each of the two counts of making a false statement. So this is very serious. And for people that say that you should still support her, I disagree. I don't believe that you, you should still support her despite her being charged of this. We'll have to wait and, and uh, see what happens in court. But right now, let's be honest, man. Her reputation, her image, for some reason, she did not protect that. She would rather go and do something foolish and stupid and jeopardize her career. And what we do is we try to save fucking face. Because we don't want to have to face the embarrassment. We don't have to um, want to be able to face the truth. So we would rather avoid it. Versus having other people lose respect for this, this individual. In the case of Marilyn Mosby, this is what we're doing. We're saving face. This uh, next story is about a pastor. His name is uh, Pastor Michael Todd of Transformation Church in Bixby, Oklahoma. So it's a video that went viral of Michael Todd. He's on he's on stage with another church member and he spits in his hand twice and rubs it in another man's face. Now, why did this man stand there and take it? I don't know. I don't understand why. Um, His message and what he was trying to say, I didn't understand it. I didn't get it. Uh, This is why pastors, preachers should be required to go to theology school, get a degree. And then from there, you will be allowed to preach or be a pastor. Nowadays, what's happening is everyone and anyone that wants to be a pastor can preach. They can they can be the leader of a church and they have they don't have to have any credentials whatsoever. And this is a part of the problem. You cannot let let everyone in just because they have the desire to be a preacher. No, go to school first, get a, get a degree and then you will be allowed to be a preacher. But this is what happens when you let every, everyone in, especially black preachers, man. They are the fucking worst. But. Uh, here's the the, uh, the video, and then what I'm going to do is just give my commentary on what's happening in the video and what he's doing. Again, this guy spits in his hand twice, man. It's disgusting. It's not sanitary. You would think that with COVID and how bad it is now, he wouldn't do this. And then for the people to to still sit there in the church and not get up and leave, This shows you just how people can be tricked, deceived, manipulated. There is no way in hell that anyone with common sense would sit there and say that this was a great message that what he was trying to teach. It was a horrible message because he did not have to he he did not have to do this. This is why you cannot take the Bible literally. But here's the uh, the video. You don't see it clearly yet. But you <laughs> so that's the, the first bit. And this is where most people would not face Jesus anymore. What most people would do is turn away. So there's the second spit. 
Now, you cannot tell me that this is going to go well, that somehow this is going to be a great message. He's going to touch people's heart, you know, their minds, their soul, all this shit. It's plain disgusting. What, what I'm telling you, what I'm telling you, it's just as he's physically. Now, the other guy on stage from what I read is uh, it's his brother. So in my opinion, I would tell him, look here, man. I love you, but I'm not letting you spit in your hand and rub your spit in my face just to teach a fucking lesson. That ain't going to happen. But the fact that his brother, this other man, stood there and took it, this this shows you just how brainwashed people are. He's standing here, knowing what's coming. God's saying, can you physically and spiritually and emotionally be able to stand when getting the vision or receiving it might get nasty. I'm going to say it in a point just like that. Receiving vision from God might get nasty. So receive, receiving vision from God might get nasty. I don't understand, but anyway. You mean, God, I just bought in crazy faith. I just bought my dream car. And now you're going to ask me to sell it back and ride in the hoofty again? Yeah, because the vision I'm about to give you, it might get nasty. So at this point, he's rubbing his own spit in the churchgoer's face, his brother's face, and it's dripping down his fucking lip. It's so disgusting. And do you do you hear and see the responses of the people? So how on earth is this a good message? I don't understand. What, what I'm telling you is how you just reacted. It's how the people in your life will react. When God is doing what it takes for the miracle, what are you saying? This man was blind. And what he was trying to do with this man is give him his DNA. That's stupid. That's fucking stupid. And he thought that that was a great message. And that's not what Jesus meant. And the thing about the Bible is, is so many symbols and certain things in, in the book, the Holy Bible, people don't know. This is why I say you're supposed to go to theology school to study about the, the nature of God. This has to be the dumbest message I've ever seen. And anybody that agrees with him, you're also fucking stupid. That was not the point. If you read the Bible, that that's what that has nothing to do with giving someone your DNA, like he said. So this shows you that they just like to make up shit just to entertain people, to get their attention but they have no clue on what they're teaching people. And this is how you can, you're, you're able to um, manipulate people, trick people, deceive people. And for anybody that's going to a church, man, and you find yourself in a position to where you're questioning what the pastor is teaching, at that moment, you should leave the church. 
you do not have to go to any church to to be able to form some kind of uh, understanding of God. Your 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 own personal connection with God has nothing to do with the church or a pastor. You do uh, do not have to rely on a pastor or a church to connect with God. You can connect with God anywhere. But it shows you, man, this this video, man, is just a prime example of, of how the church is on the decline in America. People people have lost faith in the church. And this is why for all the pastors out there that will stand by and and allow this to happen and, and not say nothing. It's also your fault. Because this is what happens when you let everyone in, whenever you invite everyone in, this is what happens. You have that one Negro that goes too extreme, too far, crosses the line, and ruins it for everyone. This video right here probably single-handedly ruined the black church. This cannot be allowed. This uh, next story says uh, Jay-Z and Meek Mill team up to block rap lyrics from being used in court. Um, the rap stars along with Fat Joe, Big Sean, Yo Gotti, Kelly Rowland, Killer Mike, Robin Thicke, and others urge New York lawmakers to pass the proposed bill, Rap Music on Trial. So uh, the, the article says this, uh, Jay-Z is leading a list of music industry titans throwing their support behind a proposed New York state law that aims to stop prosecutors from using lyrics, rap lyrics, as purported blueprints to alleged crimes now i for one i disagree with this and here's why nobody told these rappers to get on a record and tell the entire world what crimes they did who they shot what drugs they sold you said that voluntarily okay and hip-hop music hip-hop music has always been seen as this category where you have to keep it real we we have always heard this, man. Don't rat, don't snitch, don't tell. But you got rappers, man. Every single rapper is a rat, is, is a snitch. And they don't even know it. Any, anytime you get on a record and talk about what drugs you sold, who you shot, you're a rat, you're a snitch. And the film Goodfellas, this is what was said that Never rat on your friends. Always keep your mouth closed. But rappers don't do that. Now you got guys going to jail because of their rap lyrics, and you got rappers saying it's unfair. That rap is an art. You know, it's an art form. It's free speech. Entertainment, of course. But it's not really entertainment, is it? It's not really entertainment when you got people going to jail because of what they said in their lyrics. So that means that rap music, hip hop is more than just entertainment because you got rappers who are imitating what they rap about and they make it seem like this is their real life, but it's really fictional. It's not real. So to me, this makes no sense, but it shows you that however, every single rapper is a rat, is a snitch. That's what they are. Now they're afraid of being prosecuted for what they say on a, on a record. They want a bill passed versus them being responsible and saying, look, 
we're going to come together. So if if rappers can come together for this shit, that means that every single rapper can come together and say, look, man, what we're saying on records is getting people killed. We want it to where we should not say these things. But of course, they'll bring up freedom of speech and say that they have the right to say that. So really, it's a big fucking contradiction. Because what rappers are saying is that we don't care about the youth, the children whatsoever. We care about protecting our pockets. We care about making money more than saving the youth. And this is why I say that every single rapper is a rat and and a fucking snitch. And they do not keep their mouth closed because they get on records and talk about what they did. Now they are looking for lawmakers to save them from, from going to prison based on what they say on the record. It's a contradiction. So in my opinion, fuck Jay-Z, fuck Meek Mill. I hate New York rappers especially. New York rappers, rappers from Philadelphia, from L.A., I hate these fucking rappers. They ruin hip-hop. L.A. had the gangs. New York had the drugs. That's all they rapped about and talked about. Now that now they want lawmakers to save them from going to prison and being prosecuted for what they say on the record. It's a huge contradiction. So fuck Jay-Z, fuck Meat Mill, fuck all these rappers, because all of them are nothing but rats and snitches. That's all they are. So in this episode, the first story I talked about was Marilyn Mosby, right? And here's a black woman who's in a bad spot. And people know that she's in a bad position, a bad spot based on choices she made, based on her decision, right? And people would would rather save face. And I said that saving face means this, uh, to avoid having other people lose respect for oneself. So Marilyn Mosby is trying her best to save her career and trying to get people on her side, trying to get people to give her sympathy. Even though she might be guilty, I don't know. So that's saving face. The other thing is this. um, A damsel in distress is a reoccurring narrative in which one or more men must rescue a woman who has been kidnapped and, you know, a woman who is basically in a bad position. So men have to go and rescue this woman. Now, in some cases, especially nowadays, Men, fellas, you have to be careful on trying to save a woman because you just don't know if you're going to be set up, robbed, or killed. You just don't know. I've seen a few stories. I saw one story where a guy was at a gas station and a woman approached him. The woman offered him sexual favors. She ends up pulling a gun on the guy and robbing the guy. And then it turns out that it was that that uh, one young woman and another young woman going around targeting men, robbing men. So for all the men out there, man, you have to be careful on trying to save a woman that might be a damsel in distress. You just don't know. Right, so here's a story, man. This happened in, it says, um, St. Louis County, Missouri. And the article says this, a security video recorded a hail of gunfire outside a North St. Louis County home 
that left one woman dead. The woman was shot by the homeowner. Police said um, she was trying to rob that home. Police said her name is, um, um, it says Shabria Frello, I believe. One of several people attempting to commit a robbery or, or home invasion. All right, so the woman was shot and killed. So in the video, you, you can see someone turn around in, in a yard and start shooting at someone who then returns fire. Frello, the female, was killed as bullets ripped through the home. Numerous bullet holes could be seen in the home, and the glass uh, on one door was shattered, it says. So the female in this case who was attempting to rob a home was shot and killed. All right, so just like the case of uh, Marilyn Mosby, here's, here's a woman who's asking to be saved. She's a damsel in distress. She wants people to give her the benefit of the doubt. She wants people to give her sympathy and, and feel sorry for her. It's the system. It's the white man. They're uh, trying to target her because of what she's trying to do to... Um, in some way to upset the the uh, system. So this is what people are saying about Merlin Mosby. So for the men out there, man, just be careful on what woman you're trying to save. Because you just don't know if she's worth saving. So all these damsels in distress, man, it might not be what you believe it to be. It might be something that could get you in trouble. So here's the uh, the news segment about the young woman that was shot during a home invasion. Outside in a hail of gunfire outside a North St. Louis County home leaves a woman dead. Fox News' Kelly Hoskins is live with the exclusive security video that captured the tense moments of that shooting. Kelly. Jasmine, we're right outside St. Louis County First Precinct, where investigators are continuing to search for the gunman. It's unclear what led up to the tragedy. Meanwhile, residents are calling for the violence to end. This is exclusive video caught on security cameras in the area, where a St. Louis County woman was shot and killed from bullets started flying outside her home. As you can see, someone turns around in a yard and fires shots right at someone, and then that person returns fire. Marine Automotive Group Sky Fox was over the scene in the 300 block of Lanshire Road in North St. Louis County, where the tragedy all unfolded around 3 Tuesday morning. In the video, it appears multiple people were exchanging gunfire from outside the victim's home on the front yard. We are told the woman was inside the home. We noticed numerous bullet holes and a door glass shattered. When St. Louis County police arrived, detectives found the victim wounded. She was pronounced dead at the scene, and residents say they hope Police find the people responsible. You know, like three o'clock in the morning, like this morning, we heard all the gunshots and everything. You know, you know, um, this has, this has St. Louis is though. You know, people got to stand together and stop the violence and all that stuff for real. It's getting sad. Almost every night, there's gunshots right here. We've been out here about three years, and just been every almost every other night. Footage has now been turned over to St. Louis County Police, and they're hoping that they can find the people responsible for the murder. But they're encouraging anyone with information to contact Crime Stoppers. You may remain anonymous. Reporting live from St. Louis County, Kelly Hoskins, Fox 2 News. This next story is another example of a damsel in distress. Uh, people um, ran to her defense. Um, 
they thought that she didn't do nothing wrong. Um, but it turns out that this teenager was involved in a botched robbery. Okay, so this article says investigators drop a bombshell twist after teens uh, Burger King drive through slang. Okay, so she was just 16 years old. Her name was Naisha Harris Brazil. Now, this happened in Wisconsin. Now, when as news spread and people caught wind of this and they found out what happened, tens of thousands of dollars in donations poured in. All right, so, of course, people gave money because they felt sorry for the young black girl. But after spending two weeks piecing together events, investigators have made a bombshell allegation in court documents that Harris, the young woman that was shot and killed, Naisha Harris Brazil, was involved in this robbery. So it was Harris, her best friend, and then her best friend's father who was in on it. So Harris knew the issue is uh, things didn't go the way they planned to. OK. So this is what happened. A black Chevy Impala pulled up to the drive through window. OK. According to the video footage cited by authorities in a criminal complaint, Harris Brazil turned to serve the supposed customer when the driver pulled a gun demanding cash. At that point, the video showed Harris Brazil back away and start to pull money out. At the same time, Harris was trying to signal for help. The driver with the hood of his red jacket, it says, pulled over his masked face, then hosting himself through the window, waving a gun with one hand. And then he was going for the cash. Okay, this is where things went, went left. All of a sudden, the guy that was going through the window got back into to his car without the cash. At that same moment, Harris Brazil fell to the ground from a gunshot wound. Okay, so Harris was shot. After that, Harris was rushed to a hospital where she was pronounced dead. Okay. Um, it says this. Investigators assumed that the hooded man in the window fired the shots that killed Harris Brazil, but that was not true. But a closer look at the video footage showed um, that the gun he was waving was never fired. As the robbery unfolded, Harris Brazil called for help. Her co-worker, Derek Ellis, was quick to respond. A criminal complaint filed four days after the shooting alleged that, uh, that Ellis, Derek Ellis, pulled out a gun, took aim at the thief, and fired two shots. Harris was, uh, was caught in the crossfire. So, Naisha Harris Brazil was caught in, in the crossfire, and she was killed. Okay? So, this was a, a botched robbery. So, also in the article, just, just real quick, um... His, uh, his name, the guy, the driver of the Impala, his name was Antoine Edwards, whose daughter was the best friend of Naisha. Her, her name is Mariah, was working at the Burger King at the same time. According to a criminal complaint, Maria confessed that she, her father, and Harris Brazil coordinated the robbery at a time 
when they expected the cash to be loaded. So things went left. So things did not go the way they planned to go. As a result, Naisha Harris Brazil was killed. It says, um, Maria claimed that they got Harris Brazil involved because she works the drive through window. While Maria works in the kitchen, it was never part of the plan, however, for Ellis, the co-worker who shot Harris to come there, come to their aid, it says. So here's a young woman people felt sorry for. Um, they gave money, um, but it turns out that she was involved in a robbery gone wrong, a botched robbery, because they did not count for the guy, Derek Ellis, to pull the gun out and fire the shot. And then as a result, uh, Naisha Harris Brazil was shot and killed. But uh, here's the new segment and just uh, listen to what's being said and what happened. This is an example of a damsel in distress, how we're seeing young women get involved in crimes. And for some reason, they expect people, even men, to get up and run to their aid and save them. This guy, Derek Ellisman, I would have just let the guy get the cash and go. But he wanted to save her, not knowing that this young woman was involved in this crime. Prosecutors now say last week's deadly Burger King shooting stemmed from a staged robbery and that the 16-year-old girl who died may have been in on the plan. The new information is part of the criminal complaint filed against Antoine Edwards. Prosecutors say he's the man who tried to rob the restaurant. Investigative reporter Derek Rose joins us now live. Derek, a big twist in this case. Yeah, Joyce, according to the criminal complaint, Antoine Edwards, the man charged in this case, along with his daughter who works at the Burger King and this, her best friend, the 16-year-old who died, all three of them, according to prosecutors, were in on this plot to rob the Burger King. But according to the complaint, the man who fired the fatal shot was not. The latest twist in this tragic story points part of the blame at the 16-year-old who died, Naisha Harris Brazil. That information, according to the criminal complaint, came from Antoine Edwards, the man arrested this week and believed to be the person in the red hoodie seen reaching through the drive through window with a gun at the Burger King near 51st and Capitol January 2nd. According to the complaint, Edwards' daughter works at the Burger King as well with her best friend, Harris Brazil. Prosecutors claim the trio hatched a plan for Edwards to rob the restaurant at closing time. When the register was likely to have lots of money, noting Naisha Harris Brazil was usually assigned to the drive through window and would be the one to hand over the money. According to the complaint, Edwards told investigators Harris Brazil did not hand over the money as planned and was taking too long. And when he reached through the window, someone started shooting. Exclusive video shows the hooded man retreating before he drives off. According to prosecutors, that gunfire came from Derek Ellis, who also works at Burger King, but was not in on the plan. Aisha Harris Brazil was standing between Ellis and the Impala driver in the line of fire, prosecutors wrote. After the shooting made headlines, many in the community stepped up to help Naisha's family, including Omar Sheck, who raised upwards of $40,000. Details of the complaint were not what he was expecting. Yeah, I already talked to a lot of a lot of the people, and um, hearts were in the right place, right? And so, uh, you know, but I, I'll take it a step further. I mean, I, they still are dealing with a daughter at 16 years old that was murdered and killed, you know, and um, so I, I, I know the family's going through a really tough time. Derek, this claim that the girl was in on it, has her family responded to that? 
Well, Joyce, we reached out to the family late this afternoon. Naisha's aunt told us the family was not interested in making a statement. It said it's still a very hard time for them right now. Meanwhile, as for criminal charges, Antoine Edwards and his daughter, both arrested by police. Edwards faces a felony murder charge, but a spokesperson for the district attorney told me it is unclear what, if any, charges his daughter might face. Joyce? Still looking for Ellis. Derek Rose reporting live. Thank you. So uh, in that story, man, you hear um, hear the uh, guy say that at some point the young woman, Naisha, took too long to hand over the cash. So maybe she was not sure of what to do. Maybe she panicked. Maybe she had a change of heart. But this story is a very sad story because this young woman should have never put herself in that position. No different than Marilyn Mosby. She should have never put herself in that position to where she'll be involved with this. She'll agree to it. And maybe put her life in danger. Maybe put her her freedom in danger. In this case, it was her life. She lost her life as a result of making a bad choice. And in the the new segment, you hear the guy say, how the family didn't want to hear about the possibility of her being involved in this. It's too embarrassing. It's too humiliating to accept this truth that she was involved in a botched robbery. So this episode, man, was titled Saving Face and a Damsel in Distress because this last story is another example of saving face. It's a, an example of a damsel in distress. It's saving face because you want to avoid the embarrassment, the loss of respect. So the truth of what happened can never be accepted. That's why. She was a damsel, a damsel in distress. The young man, Derek Ellis, his life would be completely different if he just allowed things to play out Versus pulling his gun out and firing the fatal shot that killed Naisha. So in this story, man, is a bunch of lessons to be learned. But specifically, this episode was about saving face. It was about a damsel in distress. In life, man, you cannot make excuses for the thing that you do that go wrong. You made that choice. You made your bed lay in it. For the men out there, when it comes to these damsels, these damsels in distress, be careful who you choose to help. You never know what they're into. You, you never know who they really are. So you have to be careful, man. And when you lend a helping hand to people, you just never know. Well, well, that's it for this episode. Uh, Thank you for being able to tune in and listen. I'm your host, Kerry Bogart, and my podcast is titled No One Watches Regular News. Stay tuned for next week's episode. It'll be episode 93.